0: Hi, welcome to another episode of the podcast, Not That Mommy. I'm Tamara Toussaint Owens, and I have a special guest today, my husband.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: (laughs) So this is Rich Owens, my husband. We just celebrated our fifth year anniversary in November. Um, We've been together seven years, and uh, he's been through it with me. You know, yes, I, I, <laughs> I yes, say I early on we were, we've been tested with our relationship with a lot of my health challenges very early on. And he, he's he been through it. He's seen uh, a lot of my experiences and been there for me. And we were just chatting about some of these experiences as, as I launched Not That Mommy. And I realized that we've never really talked about uh, these experiences from his viewpoint. He's always just been a supportive partner, been there for me when I've been going through my ups and downs, and whether it be the sorrows of the losses or the challenges of my surgeries and and healthcare issues, he's just been there, and I thought it would be really helpful, one, just for our relationship to talk about how he's felt through all these challenges, but also for The partners out there who aren't necessarily going through it but are just trying to be supportive but also need an outlet to kind of talk about how they feel and and what they're going through so yeah Roots, tell them a little bit about yourself
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh let's see about myself um by day i am a consultant focused on uh, helping companies save money if i gave the technical term i'm sure a lot of people wouldn't know exactly (laughs) what that meant. That's good
0: enough. They are, that's all, you know, consultant, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm a consultant. And then of course, um, one of my side things, I do one of my biggest passions is that I have a online radio show called the after dinner drink. I've had that show pretty much the duration of our relationship because yeah. I started the show 2014 is 2021. Now, and yeah, is going on in the seventh season, just like our seventh year of being together. So, are you
0: saying that that podcast or your your music podcast is is saving our relationship because it's your outlet? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to put him on the spot on that one, but yeah. um, but yeah. So you know, I always joke in my in my bio that Rich is from LA and he's a rabid Lakers fan. Lakers <laughs> And I am from the suburbs of Chicago and I'm a Bulls fan. So
1: doubles.
0: So he did good thing he didn't lead with that when we met cuz I don't know. I know. mean,
1: the funny thing is I mean, I did kind of lead with the LA Ice Cube look on my face <laughs> when we first when we first met. And she makes fun of me of about that to this day. She said, "Why is he looking at me so hard?" And like, "Why is he guys looking at his face like like I I girl what your name is?" <laughs> But it, yeah, she gives me jokes about that all the time. And even if I try to make fun of it make fun of myself and say anything about it to this day, I can't even, I can't even recreate what I did that day.
0: <laughs> hey, so, but I guess it worked. We're, we're still going strong. Uh, yeah. I, she
1: knew I wasn't no punk. Coach. That's
0: what was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And you know, that's, I feel like that's just like the crux of our relationship is that you know, we've been through a lot, so we know that we're there for each other, but Rich makes me laugh all day, every day, and I think that's just so important, especially when you're going through a lot of challenges, um, and it's it's funny, because I think a lot of Rich's silly and funny personality I see in our son, because um, he he loves to joke, and he's really silly, and, and so I, I love that he gets that from his father. Um, but, anyways, kind of back yeah. to the more serious stuff, yep, um <laughs> I know, sort of like go back to to serious, serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, when we met, our relationship kind of progressed very quickly, um
1: uh, to say the least. <laughs>
0: We basically moved in together like five months after we met. Not only did we move in together, but we moved to another city together before either one of us had even even met um, each other's parents. So that was a little bit intense, to say the least. Our parents and, and we're not neither one of us are very like, you know, sort of jump in without. Thinking about it into a relationship kind of people, so I think both of both of our parents on either side were like, "What is going on?" Um, but thankfully, you know, it worked out, and and you know, it, it was very, it everything worked out the way it was supposed to. But about a year, I would say, into our relationship,
1: yeah, probably right when I came back from from my consulting trip in South Africa, you went to see that doctor at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, the fibroid about specialist. A f- bunch of fibroids. And I said, oh, I'm just, you know, okay, we're going to the doctor. What is, what's going on? And he had this thing called, and honestly, I'm going to be totally 100. I had no idea what fibroids were, even at as somebody in my, what was I, probably my early mid thirties at the time. And I had no idea what this meant, what was happening, the impacts it has on women in terms of being able to not conceive or, you know, helping to, you know, any of those issues I had no idea about until I went on this hospital visit with Tammy to go see the fibroid specialist. And then when I was looking in there and just seeing everything, I said, wow, this is crazy. And the first thing I always think about is that, you know, you sometimes you're in the moment. She at the time was my girlfriend. I said, okay, this is a lot for me to deal with. But like I said, I ain't no punk cuz. So I'm going to deal with it. And because I love her and this is, we're going to get through this together. But then of course the existential thought is, okay, I wonder how many women are going through this. And the things that you never think about when you see, you know, sometimes you see women out there. It's like, Oh, that person's 40. And you know, you never know what, when other women are going through and sometimes it takes seeing what women go through to really have that empathy for what other women are po- possibly going through in their own situations in their own in their own struggles so for me it was pretty eye-opening to go through that and then we fast forward to october where you had the surgery
0: right it,
1: and, you know, you getting the softball and the cantaloupe out of, out of, out <laughs> right. of Right. And
0: I'll back up a little bit just to kind of, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the first, the first appointment we went to, it really, I mean, we both were kind of not really knowing. I mean, um, if you've read my ebook, you'd, you would, I talk a little bit about it where I'd spent several years knowing I had fibroids, but no one had ever raised a red flag. They had said, oh, you have fibroids. And it was kind of like a toss away to keep in your mind. Um, But I've always been someone who feels like, especially in health situations, you want to know more. Um, Usually when people have very serious illnesses or even pass away, it's because they don't want to know more or they don't want to get more information because it's painful or they're scared. For me, in a medical situation, I've always felt the more information, the better because you have a fighting chance at least, right? So I said, when I when we moved and we were near John Hopkins, I said, this is one of literally the best medical institutions in the entire world. They have a fibroid clinic and it's so um, popular and, and that location. And that doctor that I had at the time, her specialty was so specific. It was like a three month wait list. So I think I had a, tried to get an appointment in March and they said, no, you have to come in like June or July. That's the right. first. Of I remember that. So, you know, we went and we sat in the waiting room for like two hours. Every, every appointment was like a two hour <laughs> wait. Right. Um, but the first time we went, she said, okay, so, you know, I, I can't do anything with an ultrasound. And that was like, to me, that was such a shock. I was like, what do you mean you can't do anything with an ultrasound? She goes, what am I supposed to see with an ultrasound? You can't see fibroids at all with an ultrasound. So anybody who's gone to a doctor and they've done an ultrasound with fibroids, that's, that, that's usually the end all be all of the story. They're, they say, okay, we don't see anything on the ultrasound. She goes, no, it's like any other mass in your body. We need an MRI. And so we had to fight through insurance because insurance wanted me to get an ultrasound first before they got an MRI because they felt like it was too invasive, too expensive. Trans- that.
1: Translation, they didn't want to pay for it. They didn't
0: want to pay for it. Right. And so fast forward to the MRI results. We go back to the doctor and she puts up the MRI. What was your thoughts when you saw the MRI?
1: I was like, what the hell? She just put it up
0: and she didn't even say anything.
1: She said, here, here it is. And she's She's like, like, before I say
0: anything. Like,
1: what do you think? It it looked like there was a fetus in the second trimester. Yeah. Two of them. Yeah. It it was
0: about that.
1: It was about that size. It It was shocking to say the least. And to see that that was being carried in in your body the entire time. I said, how were you dealing with this all of these years? when you had doctors that said, uh, it's just an ultrasound, uh, it doesn't look that bad. Uh okay, you know, you'll be you'll be fine. Go ahead and live your life. And that's what you you that's what you heard from plenty before we met. Yeah. That's what had heard from I every had, single doctor. I had
0: no idea. I mean most of my 20s I was dealing with extremely heavy periods. Um I was, uh, you know, not aware that anything was was going wrong. Um, And I I remember, (laughs) in between the two doctors visits, you remember, I started that boot camp. And I was getting so frustrated, because I was doing this boot camp for a month, waking up at 545, running my butt off, going everywhere. And I couldn't drop the weight. Like my stomach just kept looking bubbly. And I kept telling him, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I'm eating better. I'm like, and this stomach is looking like so bubbly. And then we go to this (laughs) doctor, and she's like, well, you look like you're about three, four months pregnant. So she says, she says, we've got to get this out. We've got to get it out. Quickly, Like we've got, I think she says like in six weeks, right? We have, basically she tells me I have to have a major surgery in six weeks because I have to have a myomectomy, which is a laparoscopic. She wants me to do a laparoscopic myomectomy, which is robotic, but because of the size, it was bordering on too big. And if it got too big to do the laparoscopy, they were going to have to do a full like cut me open and go in my uterus, which at that point, my chances of being able to carry a baby drop precipitously. Right. And we were like, what? I mean, obviously we don't even together a year, but we're seeing, we're living together. We're seeing a future together. We're basically hearing a doctor say, if you don't get this major surgery in six weeks, the chances of you having a child are like pretty much
1: done. done. Yeah. And I just remember sitting in that, in that waiting room um thank god your mom was there because otherwise i was surgery for the surgery yeah. because i would have been going out of my mind like you know kind of like you see those old school cartoons with the guy that's smoking in the line in the room waiting for his wife to get out because they're going to have a baby or something like that. i was that person and i don't smoke <laughs> so i said okay i need to go do something and Even your mom, of course, had the typical worry of a mom that she's supposed to have. And I remember us going down to the cafeteria to get something to eat, and we were just silent. We were just sitting there just kind of eating our food, almost like we're just waiting to hear the news and hear everything that was happening and waiting on the recovery. And I mean, thank God the surgery was a success and you and um
0: but, it but you 2 hours longer it was 2 hours longer because
1: they thought that they can actually get it through the laparoscopic but they had to actually go in and basically cut you open to get everything out almost like the same thing they they have to do for a cesarean they had to go in there cut it and and then like scrape it out and and everything like that it was and it took so long. We were sitting like, wait, this they,
0: they said this was to only take like a couple hours. And it
1: was almost, what was it, like close to noon and you were still under the night? Yeah,
0: they said it was supposed to take two and a half hours and it took almost five.
1: Yeah, so it was close to lunchtime by the time you finally, they, and she came out and said, everything's fine. It took longer, you know, the whole time. And that, and the recovery, you being in a recovery room, that was still, it wasn't funny, but it was funny. That makes sense. <laughs> Cause you were you were in so much pain, and your mom almost like tore that damn recovery room up because, (laughs) (laughs) like, like get her some medicine now. (laughs) And of course, I'm I can't come back until they said no. You don't you don't want to see this. I said okay. So that added on to the time and the anticipation and the anxiety of trying to wait to see what was happening. And at the time, I'm thinking, oh man. I got all this going on. She's going to go through all this pain and all this recovery. And then I started a new job and I won't be home because I'm going to be on the other side of town, Mm -hmm. starting my new job. And I, I can only help so much. And it was, it was conflicting to be be in that position. And then a week after that, what, I had to go out of town for like a week.
0: They got my mom. My mom was there. It was, it was such a crazy experience because it was one of those things where it's like you can prepare as much as you as you want. And and you know, I tend to be prepared. Like I read everything, I learn as much as I can, but no one could have prepared me for that surgery and like the level of pain I was in. Like and I'm ritual attest my pain tolerance is pretty damn high, but I, I mean that was like the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, yeah, they beyond the two that they saw in the MRI there was an additional nine my, or my, 11 or something was like a
1: dozen. Yeah. Smaller ones.
0: So they had to, that's when Rich was talking about the digging in, they had to dig into, so there's like, you know, there's some technical terms for it, but basically they had to dig into my, the sides of my uterus, the lining to dig them out because right. there was clusters. And so the pain was just like horrific. Like we lived in a three story townhouse. I could barely go up the stairs Um, my energy level was like
1: in the toilet
0: and I could Mm -hmm. barely like, I think we, you know, three weeks later we tried to go to like target or something and like halfway through, I like could barely walk back to the front. Um, it was, it was, it was was bad.
1: Yeah. You were in a lot of, you were in a lot of pain at the time. And it was in the thing is that I'm sure most guys or even um, if women have female partners and they're going through this, one of the things that sucks is that you're in a position of where your partner's pain is an area of concern, yet you can't do anything about it. It's not an area of control. It's not like you can say here, just rub the back or anything, or let me put something that it's only, it only helps so much and you just kind of have to do what you can and just wait for the body to heal itself. You know, that doesn't mean you sit around and do nothing, obviously, you know, but it was sucked that you couldn't really help to alleviate the pain in it at, at that point. So it was it was interesting to go through. And then there's just the guilt. Like I said, I was at work 10 hours a day. If you factor in the commute, I was probably gone probably 11, 12 hours a day, every single day while she was trying to recover. But like I said, thank God your mom was here. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that would have really been bad.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and it was just the timing of it all. Not that there's ever a good time to have, you know, an emotionally, you know, a a huge surgery like that. There's never a good time for that. Um, But uh